When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, if you've had a bladder leak today, listen up. I get it. I tried pills and pads for years but couldn't find relief until I found Axonics Therapy. It's a tiny device that put me back in control of my bladder. Why not see if it could work for you? Visit findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. We're going to cover the NFL Week 3 with our pick sixes. We're going to talk about new starting quarterbacks a lot more with the NFL. We're going to talk some college football, big matchups, Lane Kiffin's comments, an opportunity in Ohio State. And then we're going to finish off with some Major League Baseball talk as the playoffs roll ever so near. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to a new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast presented by La Terrain Watches and Accessories. You can visit law-terrain.com, use the sports uh, the code sports stove and that'll get you 10% off your purchase. Welcome into Thursday's edition or if you're listening to us on Unhinged Radio, it's Friday's edition. But uh Thursday's edition of the Sports Stove Podcast, I'm joined by minority owner of the Green Bay Packers, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Looking forward to try to right the ship on this pick six thing. Yeah, you were pretty miserable uh, this last <laughs> week. Uh, didn't go, but that's okay. It was your first time. Uh, I don't think you've ever picked against the spread before, have you? No, no, I don't think I have. I've, I've heard shows about it, but no, I never have. Yeah, so it's it's your first time. It's okay. There's there's a growing period here, and uh, you know, I, from what I've been told, pretty much anything over fifty percent is pretty solid. So once you get up to above fifty percent, you're doing pretty good. That's what I've been told. Uh, whether that's true or not, I do not know. But um, it's good to be with everybody. Uh, Thursday night football about to kick off. We'll talk about that here in just a moment, and plenty of other football things to uh, talk about. I do want to say. Uh, if anyone's listening that is Eastern Kentucky football fans, uh, posted a new article on bellyupsports.com earlier, let's see here, this morning, I think it went out, um, just preview, uh, reviewing the game last week and everything. You can find that on bellyupsports.com uh, there, and we'll continue to do that every week as uh, I'll be at the EKU games each Saturday that they are home. And uh, But we'll talk about college football more in just a moment. Let's get into the NFL. And, Dad, um, well, what we should probably do is start off with this Thursday night game because it is happening here pretty much as we speak uh, live. If you're listening to this in the podcast form, then you already know who won. Uh, but Carolina and Houston play in Carolina as an eight-point favorite. It's at Houston. Houston has uh, the backup quarterback, rookie Davis Mills, starting as Tyra Taylor is out injured. Carolina's looked good so far this year. Houston has surprisingly looked good this year i i can't say that i'm confident they can actually beat carolina but i do think carolina can beat themselves so what are you what's your thoughts on this thursday night game well i would think like i said carolina's off to a good start i'd see no reason why they shouldn't be able to roll tonight uh and that'll tell us i think they're for real again i don't know that they can challenge tampa but otherwise in the division um you know they could do pretty well and uh, Sam Darnold, you know, what type of year is he going to have? Um, he needs to keep consistently having good games. And, again, they've got plenty of weapons to work with. So uh, Houston has, like you said, surprised. But uh, Carolina should be able to handle them, I would think. Yeah, and they've surprised with Terod Taylor. And with him being injured and out, you got a rookie quarterback coming in, a guy that no one really anticipated getting much playing time this year. And now we're at week three on a short week, and here he is being uh, pushed into the starting lineup. 
against a team that has been decent so far. Uh, I think Carolina wins, but I think Houston might keep it interesting early on, but eventually just the talent level of Carolina should over overtake Houston. Uh, you know, Houston, people, I've heard people just being excited about what they've been doing, but Outside of Tyrod Taylor and Brandon Cooks, not a whole lot of good's been going on for Houston on the offensive side of the ball. So, uh, nonetheless, it should be a, a, uh, it could be a good entertaining first half. I think Carolina eventually walks away with it before it's all said and done. Speaking of Davis Mills and new quarterbacks, uh, this week and week three of the NFL, we have at least three new starting quarterbacks, uh, starting games this season, possibly four, possibly five. Uh, coming into this game. So let's start with those. Houston has Davis Mills. Chicago has Justin Fields. So we've talked about Justin Fields a fair amount since back to the draft. And uh, now he takes over. Of course, Dalton's injury has has uh, helped him do this. But um, I was just talking with somebody about this Justin Fields situation. And as much as I like Justin Fields, Dad, I don't think that he's going to be able to do a whole lot to help Chicago early on this season. Now, maybe as the season goes on, he'll get better. The team will get better and all those kinds of things. But I just don't see him being enough a difference maker at this point in the season to make to make that big of a difference. Chicago is playing Cleveland at Cleveland this week. Um, both of us are big on Justin Fields. But what do you, what do you think he's going to be able to do this week in his first start? Well, I think, um, again, I, I think he's probably the guy that should be starting – I think you're right. I don't know that he's a difference maker um, with Chicago at this point. The thing that probably could make a difference would be if he creates more excitement and energy on the team. If everyone rallies around him and plays better, um, you know, with his leadership and um, with the talent that he can play again, um, you were not big Bears fans. I don't know if Chicago is a multi-talented team. Um, they, again, they got a good defense. Um, they can be competitive with, with a lot of people. But, um, I, yeah, I don't know that he is a difference maker that he's going to lead everybody, um, you know, into the playoffs. But uh, he should play well, and uh, it'll definitely energize the fan base for a while. Yeah, I think he will be a difference maker at some point. I just don't think it's yet. I don't think it's week three of his rookie season um, against Cleveland. I, I just don't. I don't think that's where he's at yet. I think there still has to be time uh, for him to continue to grow a little bit. And again, maybe by the end of the season, he'll be playing up to that that kind of talent level and ability. But uh, I think at this week coming in, I I think Bears fans, as excited as they are, might want to check yourself just a little bit. Be excited that he's there. And that you have them for a long time, but uh, this week may not be the week that that gets you the most excited. And maybe it does. Who knows? Uh, Miami, the Tua is out and injured, so Jacoby Brissett comes in as the starter for the Miami Dolphins. Dad, I have been a huge proponent of the Dolphins, and I actually think that Jacoby Brissett might find some success here in Miami. And uh, I don't think they're going to miss Tua that much this week. Uh, what are your thoughts on the backup in the Miami? Uh, I think, like I said, he's he's a talented backup. He did good backing up at times in Indianapolis, so I think he'll do he'll do fine for Miami. But I don't think Tua has to worry at all about his job at this point. Um, I think whenever he's ready to come back, he'll be the quarterback. Um, but but we'll see, and this could help Cody Brissett in in several ways. You know, even getting a look from other people. Um, but again, if Miami went on a roll, who knows? Yeah, I mean, Jacoby Brissett, he's not going to steal the starting job from Tua because they passed up quarterbacks this year. <laughs> so Tua is their quarterback. There's no doubt about that. But I don't think they're going to miss him a whole lot this week. Uh, they're playing the Raiders in Vegas, and uh, the Vegas is a four-point favorite in that game. But I think Brissett's a good quarterback. Uh, he played, of course, in New England before he went to Indianapolis. So he actually has uh, been around the staff a little bit in the past as well. Um, and he's a good quarterback. So I think, uh, that the, that Brissett has a chance to come out and win a game this week against Vegas, who's two and oh and looked pretty solid themselves. But if the Dolphins come out and put out a team effort, I think Brissett has a really good chance to get a win. Indianapolis is a big question mark this week. Carson Wentz, two sprained ankles. Um, that's all you got is two. So, so that's not good for him. Two sprained ankles. And then you got, uh, Jacob Eason, the second year guy out of Washington. And then also, 
um, Hunley, who was a Packer backup, and then in Arizona for a little bit. I think maybe Seattle too. Uh, nonetheless, he is there now as well. Good chance that Wentz misses this game. And we talked about this before the season when we previewed the Colts because we didn't know how long Wentz was going to be out at that time. Uh, this team needs Carson Wentz if they're going to have any success. In my opinion, uh, that's what they need to happen. This week they're going up against the division rivals in Tennessee Titans. Uh, any chance a backup can surprise in Indianapolis this week? Um, you know, I, I don't know. Hopefully, like you said, early in the season or the preseason, you weren't sure Wentz was going to be there. So there's probably been a little more preparation than you would think there. But, um, again, they need Carson Wentz, and I think his leadership, they can still have a very good year. Yeah, it's a big opportunity. We're going to talk about this in the college football conversation in a minute. But a huge opportunity for a guy like Jacob Eason to take the reins here, make the most of the opportunities he has. And if anything, uh, he's playing for a, a, another team. You know, he's, he's trying to show what he has, what he can do, and get an opportunity to challenge for a starting job somewhere else, maybe down the road. Um, either way, Indianapolis is going to be a tough game. I'll talk about that a little bit more in our pick sixes. And then Pittsburgh's the other one, Roethlisberger. Um, he needs to retire. He just needs to walk away right now, but he's not going to do that. Um, good chance that Roethlisberger plays this week as of right now. Dwayne Haskins, the backup quarterback, would love the opportunity, of course, to start also. Pittsburgh, though, you know, I've been down on them from the get-go. They've got a, a division rival game as well against Cincinnati this week. It's at Pittsburgh. Um, you know, can Dwayne Haskins win games this year or where are we at with Pittsburgh? Um, I would think, I don't know. I think you have to go a couple more weeks. I think Roethlisberger may be able to make it through the year. Again, Pittsburgh surprised in week one. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how they do against Cincinnati. Um, do they get a win because it's a division game or if Cincinnati really looks good? Again, Pittsburgh loses a couple games bad and, and you don't know what will happen. You know, I don't know if we, we know can, will Haskins make a big difference? Um, if he comes in, it'd be a great opportunity for him, but I, I, we just don't know about him. So my take on Pittsburgh and Cincinnati this week is if I'm Cincinnati, I want Ben Roethlisberger playing. Um, I think he gives me the best chance to win if I'm playing against Cincinnati right now. I think Roethlisberger is washed up. Um, he is a professional. He knows how to prepare and all those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, if I'm Cincinnati, I want, I want to see Ben Roethlisberger on the field. It gives me the best chance to win. Uh, so that's a game I'm definitely curious on. It's a game we'll talk about on Tuesday. If that's an overcooked th- tank, uh, overcooked take. Or if that one's ready to serve, we'll find out on, we'll, we'll talk about it on Tuesday. But I think Roethlisberger plays and I think Cincinnati wins that game, uh, there. So those are the new quarterbacks or possible new quarterbacks playing this week. A lot of good games coming up on the docket this week. I think at least, um, from Washington and Buffalo, I think that's going to be a really good game. Uh, Chargers and Chiefs. Let's talk about that one for a second. Uh, Los Angeles is not done yet what we expected them to do offensively. They've not been able to really get things going. Kansas City has been bad on defense. So uh, here comes a game, an opportunity. It's in Kansas City, an opportunity for the Chargers to get things going, but Kansas City doesn't lose two games in a row very often. Uh, So what do you think about that game? Do you think it'll end up being entertaining, or do you think someone runs away with it? Um, I I think it should be a good game. should be close. I think, again, Kansas City – Hard to say that they won't win, uh, but it would be a big statement for uh, the Chargers to get where people thought they would be. Um, but, yeah, it would be a little surprising if Kansas City lost too. But I uh, still think the Chargers can be real good, and, and I think even if they just can keep this thing close and be in the game, um, it might be a help to them going, going forward, and, and who knows. Uh, two bad teams can sometimes make one good game. The Giants are playing the Falcons. I'm not sure how entertaining that game will be or not. We saw Kyle Pitts finally get uh, going a little bit last week. Um, Saquon Barkley's not been able to get, get things rolling yet. Daniel Jones, I still think could be a starting quarterback, uh, but, um, the Giants have not impressed. The Falcons have not impressed. And here they go playing each other 
this week. One of them has to win, right? Uh, I guess you could have a tie. Giants, a three-point favorite at home. Um, which Who comes out on top in that game, New York or Atlanta? Um, you know, if Atlanta's going to pull out anything this season, then this is the kind of game they have to win. Uh, and we'll see. You know, they have a new coach. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they come out and play. Because uh, if they come out and play, they've got the talent probably uh, to win this. But, um, yeah, like I said, somebody's got to win. And at this stage, it's, it, you know, that's been, it'd be a tough call because neither team has looked good. You talk about the new coach, Arthur Smith. What coaches two weeks into this season are already on the hot seat? Because you look at first-year coach and Arthur Smith, things have not started well for him. And we've seen teams turn around the next year and make a change even after an initial hire. So I'm not sure how hot his seat is. They gave him a decent contract, so I assume he's pretty safe. But what teams do you think right now have a coach that's sitting on a hot seat just two weeks into the season? Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're team Team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Well, I, I don't know that anybody is officially on the hot seat because, like I said, with two weeks, things can turn around. But there are several teams that I think, give it another two or three weeks, could start to be an issue. Of course, like I said, normally you won't get rid of a first-year coach. Uh, Houston has played better, but that was a big mistake the guy made there. So, uh, But I, I wouldn't think they would make a change. I think the teams to watch, um, obviously, in Minnesota, been a, been a, that one could go downhill, and they could make a change before the season is over there. Uh, they've got some strong assistant coaches and that. Um, we've talked about Seattle. I don't know that you fire Pete Carroll, but um, Seattle struggles. There's got to be some kind of change there. Um, again, the Giants, you know, I, I'm not sure. You know, he did some interesting things, said some interesting things in the offseason. You know, can he – you know, I, I think he could be in trouble. Um, people are expecting a lot out of Miami, and I think Miami probably will rebound, but if they don't, um, that would be a question. Um, I'm, we're both high on Cincinnati, but if Cincinnati really struggled again this year, I think the coach is where everybody would have to look. And I just don't, you know, you don't get rid of a first-year coach, but Urban Meyer, you know, Jacksonville just needs to have a game when all of a sudden, wow, you know, here they've got a shot. Um, but, you know, they haven't showed that yet. Well, I mean, Urban Meyer might leave. Uh, he may not get fired. He could leave at the end of the season, do the whole Nick Saban and say, you know what, this isn't for me. And off he goes running, possibly, I don't know. I think Minnesota and Chicago are probably the hottest seats right now with Nagy and Zimmer. Uh, I think Minnesota is definitely one of those teams, like you mentioned, where if they could fire Zimmer four, five, six weeks into the season – and that could provide a boost that they need for their team. They've got good assistance, but they also got Gary Kubiak, who's I don't even think he's technically in a role with the team currently. His son's the offense coordinator, uh, but he's the guy that could step in and be the head coach, and nothing would change as far as the system goes, but uh, it could provide a spark that's needed for Minnesota. Nonetheless, you got them uh, definitely. And I think you've got first-year coaches, Urban Meyer. I think you've got Arthur Smith that you've got to watch and keep an eye on and see how bad it gets. What you're looking for is the team, the roster. If the players are not responding, that's a problem. Um, there are guys, like in Houston, for instance, the players seem to be responding to David Coley and what he's doing down there. Now, it's not going to end up in a lot of wins, but they seem to be responding to him. Joe Judge, it looked like last year people were responding. He did do some weird stuff this year in New York. Uh, we'll see how that shakes out in the end as well. Um 
you know, I, I from what I understand, the Giants are not going to fire Joe Judge. Uh, they might get rid of the GM. They might make changes on the staff, but Joe Judge's job is pretty safe uh, there as well. I would be shocked if the Dolphins got rid of their coach, no matter what happens this year. Flores would get a job immediately somewhere else. Um, I don't, I don't see that one happening, but I understand what you're talking about uh, there with that. Uh, Sunday night, Green Bay goes to San Francisco. Um, they did not have a lot of success out in the state of California. They are coming off of a win, a desperately needed win against Detroit. Horrible week one against New Orleans. San Francisco is incredibly beat up. They have no running backs healthy. Um, they've got uh, Jimmy Garoppolo still their starting quarterback. They've got good receivers. Debo Samuel has had a great year so far. The only hope that I as a Packer fan have at this game is the fact that San Francisco is so beat up and Aaron Rodgers is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Those are the two things that I look at and say that should give Green Bay the win. Of course, the 49ers at home, they're a three-point favorite. What do you expect to see Sunday night between San Francisco and Green Bay? Well, I, I think one of the keys is going to be, as we've uh, followed stuff this week, uh, it's going to be the Packers' offensive line. Uh, you have Elton Jenkins that uh, is not practicing right now with an ankle. Uh, if he doesn't start, then you've got two, their two best offensive linemen out with him and Bakhtiari. Um, and I think the key for Green Bay in this one is to be able to run the ball um, and, and mix it up like they did somewhat against Detroit. And because Rodgers, Rodgers, like you said, Rodgers can have a really good game against them and can even beat them, but it's going to take be having a balanced situation because they've got a great defense. So if all of a sudden the Packers have to throw and he just has to drop back or roll out and throw regular passes, uh, you're going to get a lot of pressure uh, there. But if Jones can be a big part of the offense again, and if the I think the line, if Jenkins is there, you know, it's it's coming along. I mean, there's two rookies starting there, and it looks like maybe they'll have a change at the other guard with Runyon. Uh, but, you know, if these guys got it together and, and they could run the ball, that would make a big difference. So um, I think Green Bay, they, you know, <laughs> you can't avoid the defensive thing. I mean, it would be interesting to see if they have the defense figured out. I mean, San Francisco is beat up, but Green Bay has proved you can make it you can make that offense look pretty good. They did against New Orleans. But I think the defense will come around. I think they have some talent there. I'm not sure what the problem is, but they have, have had trouble against the run and trouble with San Francisco, and San Francisco does have um, a solid plan for that. So, uh, again, you know, if Green Bay is going to really rally and all of a sudden you're going to start saying, wow, they're really a contender, they're going to stay in it all year. But uh, this will be a very interesting game. On the road, they've talked a lot this week about crowd noise with the young linemen. Um, San Francisco will be excited. You know, San Francisco beat Philadelphia, but uh, to me, I don't know if that was overly impressive. So uh, <laughs> no, we'll see where they're at, you know. Uh, Monday night is a division rivalry, Dallas versus Philadelphia. The game's at Dallas. Uh, Philadelphia week one looked great, but they were playing Atlanta. Dallas, I think, looked good both weeks. Uh, they did lose to Tampa, but only by, you know, had they made their field goals, they would have won that game as well. I am not confident that Philadelphia has a great offense or a great team for that matter. Uh, but, you know, those division games, especially on a Monday night, sometimes these guys come out to play. Uh, any thoughts on the Monday night game between Philadelphia and Dallas? Well, like I said, it's a division game, and those two teams, you know, you know, always play each other tough. I'm not as sold on Dallas as you are. Um, and again, you know, Jalen Hurt could have a great game in this situation. And if some players are starting to pop up there, you've got, of course, the, the wide receiver, um, you know, Devontae that could be, you know, people that could have a good time. Sanders, um, there's the tight ends. So I think it'll depend, you know, the coach, will they have a good plan, a good game plan? As far as being up for it, both teams are going to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Philadelphia, it all comes down to Jalen Hurts. How is he going to look? What's he going to do? How effective is he going to be? I mean, you've got to, if you're the coach there, you've got to look and see what's the best system we can put them in to have the most success and how can we exploit things. But the Dallas defense, people were all over them week one. But, again, they were playing Tampa. 
They weren't that bad. They're improved over last year at the very least, and last week's win as well. Um, Dallas has a dynamic offense. Tony Pollard has added so much to this Dallas team, someone that they're confident in. Ezekiel Elliott is hit or miss at this point, but Pollard is getting stuff done. And then you've got the receivers that are just really, really good, and Dak's really good. So um, this is going to be a tough matchup for Philadelphia, but Dallas is only a three-and-a-half-point favorite here. And if Philadelphia plays like they did last week, they've got no shot. Um, if they play closer to what they played like in week one, then there's an opportunity for the upset on Monday night. Uh, in just a moment, we'll get to our pick sixes. But first, uh, Dad, fantasy football, uh, we're in week three. Is there any players out there that you would say, kind of dark horse players or players out there in fantasy world, that maybe this week you expect to have a big week? Um, yeah, I don't know about dark horse players really yet. You know, you try to keep an eye on the waiver wire uh, and see. I think there's some teams because of who they're playing. Um, Baltimore, you know, um, they should have a, a big game. Andrews hasn't really got on track yet. He very easily could in this one. I think, um, you know, the, the Arizona has been interesting. And um, I think any of their receivers could have a big game this week. And it looks like Murray has kind of mixed it around a little bit. But with them playing Jacksonville, I think they'd have a good chance. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the Indianapolis game. If Indianapolis is going to – it's a division game. Taylor would be the difference maker in this one um, if they win. I mean, you know, you've got Henry on the other side. You've got to stop him. Indianapolis has got a defense, though. But um, it would be interesting to see if Taylor, I think, has a big week from there. And, um, if you again, look at it, maybe Williams from Denver would really get on track this week um, and could potentially have a good game there, the rookie. Yeah, I think running backs is a good one to watch for this week. A lot of interesting matchups. Jonathan Taylor, I like that one as well. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire against the Chargers, I think, is a possibility to finally break out and do something uh, good there. Saquon Barkley against Atlanta should run all over them uh, there. So you got some running backs to watch out for. Quarterbacks, Mac Jones with New England. They're playing the Saints this week. Uh, Saints did not look good last week. There's opportunities there uh, for him as well. And then I think Zach Wilson's another guy to watch, the New York Jets rookie quarterback. Um, you know, Denver, they've got a decent defense, but at some point things are going to click for the Jets. The system they run works, and so eventually things are going to open up there, and I think Zach Wilson is going to have a, a good game this week as well. Um, of course, if you're playing fantasy football, you're not putting Zach Wilson in your lineup. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, uh, just a heads up, I think that there's something there for him to do this week as well. All right, Dad, let's get to our pick sixes each week. We are picking uh, six games from the weekend. We're not including Thursday's game in this. Um, I try to keep all my games the Sunday, but I'm not sure if I told Dad that or not. So, uh, But we try to we'll pick six games against the spread. Uh, each week, and then we'll post them on social media. You can get involved with us, too. You can send us picks. You can comment on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. You can mail in your picks, or not mail in, email in your picks, thesportsstove at gmail.com. And as uh, we get more people involved in this, we can start giving out uh, some things as well for prizes for winners. Last week, I hit on three of my six picks. Dad hit on one of his six picks, but we're going to put that in the rearview mirror and look ahead here to week number three. So dad, let's start off with your picks. Who do you got going on uh, for your picks? Well, I'm going to take uh, new England over new Orleans. Uh, I think they could have a big game and new England, um, you know, has a good defense. Um, I'm going to go with green Bay, at least with the points against San Francisco. I think they'll come out and play well there. Um, again, I'm going to take Philly over Dallas with the idea that um, Jalen, you know, is going to come out and and have a big game. I am not. I just not sold on Dallas. I think but Arizona. Hold on a sec. Hang on a sec. I understand that you're not sold on Dallas, but you're sold on Jalen Hurts. Uh, I, if he's going to have a big game, this will be the one he's going to have. Um, when, right. you're, hey. when you're when you're an Eagle, that's who you're going to play good against. And, hey, they're, you, they're your picks. You're allowed to be we'll wrong. <laughs> okay. All right. Who's number four for you? Um, Arizona. 
to cover over Jacksonville. They're just really good, and I think, you know, they'll roll. Um, then Cleveland over Chicago. Thought about that one a little bit, but I Cleveland, you know, wants to do good. They need they need a game like this, and uh, they've got the talent, and um, so I'm picking them. And then I'm going to pick Las Vegas over Miami. Okay. So you're going with Vegas going 4-0 and on the season yep. uh, there as well. So New England's minus three. Uh, that's a smart pick. I'm, I'm all over that as well uh, for sure. Uh, Green Bay plus three against San Francisco. Uh, Philadelphia plus three and a half against Dallas. Arizona and Cleveland are both seven and a half point favorites. So that's a pretty big one there. I think Cleveland has a good chance uh, there. And then uh, Arizona definitely has a good chance on that one against Jacksonville. And then Vegas at minus four. You're playing uh, the run there by Vegas as they're undefeated coming into the season. They ground against a backup quarterback uh, this week in Jacoby Brissett. Uh, so that's dad's six picks. Again, we are going to post these on our social media pages uh, on Sunday morning. Then my six picks this week, Dad, uh, I'm going to go with Washington football team. They are the uh, plus seven and a half, so they're the underdogs this week. And uh, I just I don't know that they're going to win that game against Buffalo, but I think they can keep it close. So that's kind of my mindset going with Washington. Uh, Indianapolis, I've got them at plus five against Tennessee. Uh, this is one that kind of scares me because of the backup quarterback situation in Indianapolis. But I just have a, a gut feeling that I'm going on with this one. So I'm taking Indianapolis plus five. I've got New England minus three as well. They should cover that with no problem whatsoever. Uh, I'm going Seattle plus one and a half over Minnesota. I think they'll win that game. And then uh, let's see here. My last pick, did I get six picks? One, two, three, four, five. I only have five picks on here, Dad. Uh, thanks a lot. Uh, let's see here. So I've got to add, add one in here. Let's go Bengals. We'll go Cincinnati plus three against Pittsburgh. And then my last pick is the Jets at plus 10 and a half. Uh, and they are playing against the Broncos this week. Again, I, I don't know that the Jets will win against Denver, but I think they keep this game close. And, uh, when you have 10 and a half points to, to give, uh, that's a lot of points, and I'm uh, just not sure that Denver is that much better than the the Jets. And eventually, the Jets are going to get things rolling with their rookie quarterback, with their rookie running back, with the, some of the talent they have there on defense as well. And so I'm going Washington, Indianapolis, New England, Seattle, Cincinnati, and New York football Jets uh, there uh, as my six picks. Um I feel more confident about all of my picks than I do about your Philadelphia over Dallas pick. <laughs> so, hey, it could happen. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm just surprised that you're so unconfident about Dallas, but that much more confident about Philadelphia. That surprises me a little bit. From what we've seen out of Philadelphia so far, at least, uh, that 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 shocks me. But, hey, that's all right. That's what we're here to do. We don't need to agree on everything. That's perfectly fine. Uh, let's transition. It's going to be a good football week uh, for Sunday, especially for football, uh, NFL football this week. The Thursday night game is underway. Carolina has the ball. Uh, but let's transition now over to college football and uh, talk about a few things going on in the college football world. Let's start off with the uh, games going on this season, this week. Uh, a couple of big games against ranked opponents. You've got Notre Dame versus Wisconsin. Notre Dame's number 12, Wisconsin number 18. Wisconsin's the favorite. It is at home, but Wisconsin's almost the touchdown favorite. They're a six and a half point favorite over Notre Dame. Now, I can't talk super educated about Notre Dame because I've not watched them. Um, but I was surprised to see that they were that big of an underdog this weekend, being that they are undefeated and and that they are uh, higher ranked <laughs> um, and Wisconsin hasn't looked great so uh, any thoughts on Notre Dame and Wisconsin well I mean Wisconsin came into the year highly talented and this is a game they need to win like you said it's in Wisconsin correct so yeah, um, yeah that probably is a little bit a lot of a points to give them but I mean I, I expect Wisconsin to come out and play like we've expected them to and uh, I watched Notre Dame just a little bit 
Um, you know, this is not going to be an awesome year for them. Um, I, I don't think it's probably not the best team they've had. And we'll just see Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin can win the game. It's a neutral field game. They're playing at soldier field. That's right. Um, and, uh, and Wisconsin's still the favorite by six and a half points. That blows my mind. Graham Mertz, the quarterback for Wisconsin. Uh, he's got, uh, let's see here. I had the stats. 326 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions on the season. Whereas Cone for uh, Notre Dame, he's got 828 yards, eight touchdowns, and two interceptions. How in the world is Wisconsin favorite over Notre Dame? I I get that you look at the schedule. Uh, Let's see here. Notre Dame has beat Florida State 41-38 in overtime. They beat Toledo 32-29, so that game was close. And then they beat Purdue last week, 27-13. So they may not have been incredibly uh, impressive, but at the same time, they haven't lost. And you look at Wisconsin, on the other hand, uh, and they, let's see here, so they lost to Penn State, which is a good loss if you can have one. And then they blew out Eastern Michigan in week two. Boy, I'm just shocked that it's that big of a difference, uh, six and a half points, especially on a neutral field where you're not going to be um, in Camp Randall you're not going to have. I mean, you're going to have plenty of Wisconsin fans, I'm sure. But I, I this surprises me, Dad. And again, having not watched, watched Notre Dame, we should have had our. And uh, there we go. We're back. All right. Sorry, I got issues going on with the house internet. So hopefully, we can make it through the whole episode. Um, but, uh, here we are sitting here trying to figure out what in the world's going on with this, this game between Wisconsin and Notre Dame. You think Wisconsin has a great chance to win. To me, Notre Dame seems to have the better team this year. And again, neutral, neutral site. I don't know that I can go with Wisconsin in this one. And I'd much more rather Wisconsin win. I just cone Jack cone for, uh, uh, Notre Dame, the quarterback he's senior, he's experienced, uh, Man, I don't know. I would lean heavily towards Notre Dame in this game. Well, again, I I think Wisconsin can win it. I think you look at the schedule, and I, I don't think Notre Dame is anything to be scared of there, so we'll see. Yeah, I think they're relatively evenly matched, but yikes. Uh, Notre Dame has given up a lot on defense, and so maybe that's where everybody's looking at it saying, hey, They've given up so much on defense, yards-wise, points-wise, that Wisconsin's going to open it up and have a game. I don't know. That one surprises me. The other big ranked game is Texas A&M and Arkansas, two SEC opponents going at it. A&M on the road is the favorite in this game. Uh, Arkansas has been one of those teams that has played well as of late. They seem to really be buying into their coach, uh, Sam Pittman, and what he's doing there. So a lot of progress being made in the program at Arkansas, but A&M is supposed to be the better team. And stat-wise, eh, it's kind of hit or miss. There's there's some some better stats for A&M, some better stats for Arkansas. Um, Dad, your thoughts on A&M being the favorites on the road at Arkansas? Well, I mean, I think A&M, like you said, is ranked. You know, they, they should be the better team um, there. And um, we'll find out if Arkansas is for real. Um, you know, I like Arkansas. I have a lot of wooey pig suey friends and, um, I'd be all for them winning this. But again, if, if A&M is going to be what we thought they were going to be and probably for the SEC, then yes, they probably ought to win this. But otherwise we'll come out of it saying, wow, Arkansas is something everybody's got to watch for. Yeah. Arkansas, they beat Texas in week two, 40 to 21. So they handled Texas with no problems. Uh, A&M, their biggest win of the season so far was Colorado. They beat them 10 to seven. They blew out, uh, New Mexico and they blew out Kent State, uh, earlier this season. So, uh, A&M should, should take this one, but being at Arkansas gives Arkansas a little bit of an advantage. Maybe can even things out a little bit there and, uh, make it a game. It's interesting to see what Sam Pittman's doing at Arkansas to bring this program along and definitely improve. What they have. Is there any other games uh, on the college football schedule that have you excited for this weekend? Um, I mean, this isn't a great week as far as looking at that. So I think those are the main two games. 
And, uh, you know, you can, we'll always watch for upsets. Um, but I think that's what we're looking at. You know, I'm interested in Tennessee and Florida, but I don't know if I have high hopes for that. Yeah, Tennessee with the new quarterback, Hendon Hooker. He's a Virginia Tech transfer. Had a great game last week, but they were playing nobody. And uh, Florida had a great game last week, too, and they were playing somebody. Um, <laughs> so Florida... Florida's the better team. The It's a 19-point uh, spread right now. It was 21 just a day or two ago, so that spread's dropping a little bit. Is there any chance Tennessee keeps this one close, or is this just another beatdown in the swamp? Um, you know, based on, I think, what we saw last week with the Alabama game, I, I think it'll be really tough on Tennessee. I think they might could keep it close for a while and could play competitive, but I'm afraid it'll at least get away from them in the second half. But we'll see. Michigan State's only a five-point favorite against Nebraska. The way Michigan State's been playing and running the football, I think that should be much higher as well. It's at Michigan State. Um, I mean, Michigan State could win this one by 30 points, I think, <laughs> against Nebraska on there. And then locally, Kentucky's playing South Carolina. It's a big game for Kentucky. Um, a team that they should beat, that in the past they've lost these kind of games on the road. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see if they can pull that one off there against South Carolina, remain undefeated with the opportunity then to go into the big SEC schedule for Kentucky coming up. They've got a big, big run against Georgia, LSU, and Florida uh, over the next three weeks after after this week. Lane Kiffin came out and made some comments. They weren't controversial or anything, but he basically said Alabama, they get the best players, and now they can cherry pick whoever they want off the transfer portal to fill in their gaps. Uh, and he brought up Henry Toto from Tennessee, the linebacker and a receiver from Ohio State, I believe, as well. Um, you know, the transfer portal, I think it's a good rule that, they, that they're allowed to transfer once without having to sit out at all or anything like that. How has it changed the game, though, specifically for these bigger schools where they can go out and fill in those needs that they have, maybe some not not enough experience at those positions? How do you think – do you think the transfer portal makes college football better or worse? Um, I think it makes it better for the kids because I think sometimes they can get in a position – you know, we always talked about a guy gets recruited, the coach leaves, but, you know, he can't leave. Mm -hmm. So I think for the kids, it's a fair thing. I think obviously teams are good, you know, good teams are taking advantage of it. I was interested to hear your interview. I believe it was coach Wells, yeah. uh, in Eastern Kentucky who talked about that, you know, cause again, my first thought when you asked him that question to be, Oh, this would be good. A team like Eastern Kentucky, you know, can get some, some, you know, players maybe from bigger schools, but he said, no, you know, the, the, the better teams are going to get them. Now he said, you have to be competitive. You have to go get people also. But he talked about the cherry picking idea and that kind of lodged in my mind there. And obviously a team like Alabama, um, you know, the, the good teams are going to attract people, uh, no doubt about that. But on the same way, there's other schools, some of the good teams are going to have people that, you know, they're going to want to transfer out because as these kids come in, they're going to have less chance to play. So I think that can work. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes into some of the mindset of, hey, you want a kid to, to fulfill his commitment. But I think you come back to it where if the coaches don't have to fulfill their commitments, why do the players have to fulfill theirs? And I was okay with the rule that would have stated if the coach leaves, then players can transfer. Um, but, you know, when you're allowing guys to transfer in, Obviously, you're going to have guys transfer out. This is affecting baseball. Um, had this conversation um, uh, with a friend who was having the conversation with the University of Kentucky coaches, baseball coach's wife. And the deal was, is Kentucky lost nine players to the transfer portal this year, but they brought in five players. And no one talked about that. They just talked about losing nine. And I think sometimes we forget the fact that a lot of these people are transferring out because people are transferring in. The conversation you're talking about was actually with Greg Stottlemyre, the voice of the EKU sports that said that about the transfer portal and how it kind of hurts you. EKU football uh, right. helps in basketball, but hurts in football a little bit. But, you know, I'm watching these kids and, and I think it's a good thing. Uh, and now if it was a deal where they could do it every year, that's another deal. But if you let them do it one time without having to sit out, a lot of times you get into a program and the coach promised you things 
and the coach doesn't fulfill those promises or the coach gets fired or the coach gets hired somewhere else. And you're sitting there going, wait a second, this is not what I was told. This is not what I expected. And I don't have any issue with them uh, heading out because of that. Um, Alabama, I mean, the rich always get richer when it comes to college football. Um, it's just going to be that way for probably for the rest of time. Alabama, there's a reason why kids want to go play at Alabama. <laughs> it's because they win. And it's because they uh, they they get a top notch opportunity uh, there as well. So uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on the transfer portal and other rules, the the NIL stuff and how that's affecting. I don't love the NIL stuff. I like it for the kids. I'm happy for them, but I don't like that. I think it's going to cause a lot of problems in the next couple of years um, as well. And the fans, my goodness. Um, and again, I'm in a college town here in Lexington, Kentucky. But uh, they got kids signing autographs at a car dealership this weekend. And there's this whole, oh, they shouldn't be doing that during the season. And who cares? Um, if they're not missing practice, if they're not missing class, who cares what they're doing? Um, if it's legal, then we should be okay with it. And it is legal, and we should be okay with it. That's my opinion. Uh, let's talk about Ohio State for a minute. C.J. Stroud, he got injured and kind of banged up. This week, he's going to be the emergency quarterback. So he'll only play in case of emergency uh, here. They're playing, what, Toledo or somebody like that this week? Um, Akron. I don't remember. Somebody like that. I think it's Akron. It's yeah. Akron. So uh, backup quarterback's going to have an opportunity to play. The uh, the freshman, Quinn Ewers, he is not available to play. So you've got the other two guys, and I don't have their names in front of me. I should have had them written down. But anyways, Ohio State now – We've talked about this with other guys in the NFL, but when you have the opportunity to come in and play, you got to make the most of it. And now Ohio State's going to have the opportunity to bring in a backup quarterback. And these quarterbacks, they get the chance. I'm looking up their names real quick here. Uh, Jack Miller and Kyle McCord are going to be the ones getting the, the playing time. They have not yet named a starter. Both have been preparing as though they'll both play. So, um, you know, this is a chance for a team that has not been good uh, this year, there's an opportunity now for a guy to get to maybe help this team out and possibly push for minutes, even when CJ Stroud is healthy. Um, cause I don't, I mean, I read an article this week, CJ Stroud's not the problem in Ohio State. Okay. But he's also not been the solution so far. So it's a huge opportunity, even though they're playing Akron, a huge opportunity for these backups, whether it's Jack Miller or Kyle McCord to kind of maybe steal some minutes from C.J. Stroud moving forward. Any thoughts on that, or do you think Stroud's just the guy? Um, no, I, I, you know, again, I, I don't know totally all the motivation of the coach here. Obviously, you want Stroud to get healthy, uh, but they're going to get a look at these two guys. I don't believe either one of them, I was reading about it, have played, you know, any minutes uh, significantly. Um, one hasn't thrown a pass, but – did rush last year, I think, for 21 yards. So, um, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see if one of them gets hot, if they leave him in and give him a chance to look good, or if they're just going to split the time with the two and get a look at both of them. You would think with Akron, they can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, um, it definitely it'll give them a chance to impress. No doubt about that. Whether they'll push Stroud or not, um, it you know it it, it depends. Um, are they doing this legitimately? Are they doing this legitimately because Stroud's injured, or are they doing this to see what these other guys have? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good that's a good question, and enter my mind too. So um, you know we'll, we'll see going forward when they get into Big Ten play if any of these guys show up there. All right, something to keep an eye on up there in Ohio State. Then lastly, with college football, the uh, report came out today. The college football playoff board will not vote next week on the proposed 12-team format. Um, conversations have been ongoing. They were supposed to vote next week. But in the last two meetings, they said questions have been brought up that they need time to, to answer and research out and things like that. When I'm reading, and I'm reading between the lines, it seems to me like they're trying to figure out how to make more money. Um, the 12-team playoff is going to happen originally it's slated for 2025 when the current contract stuff runs out but there is the ability for them to move that forward and start that earlier I think they will start it earlier just like I think Texas and Oklahoma moved to the SEC earlier uh but uh I mean is there any chance the 12 team playoff thing doesn't happen 
Uh, no, no, I think it'll happen. I think it's a good thing. I would think what has delayed this has been all this stuff with the conferences, having, you know, Texas and Oklahoma move to the SEC, uh, having this, quote, alliance, um, that's going to become one big conference or otherwise the alliance isn't going to last very long because there's no reason uh, for it otherwise. All right, we're going to get him, we're going to get his microphone fixed because I want to hear what he's saying about the alliance because I think I disagree with him on that. But we're going to, we're going to get that fixed real quick and we'll get back to him. Today's episode is presented by La Terrain Watches and Accessories. Uh, it's always a good idea to have a classic watch on hand, something that can look fantastic with a suit or getting muddy out on the shooting range. The Navigator Flyger style pilot watch is the gold standard in functional classic, boasting rugged stainless steel construction and a size that fits most wrists. The Navigator from Law Terrain is ready for your next adventure. Visit law-terrain.com. Use the code SPORTSSTOVE. You're going to get 10% off your purchase there at Law Terrain. Dad, we started to lose you there uh, when you start talking about the alliance, so I want to hear what you were saying about that. Well, I, I, I know when we talked about it at first, again, I don't think there's been much decided yet and I think if it does mean it's just a little bit of scheduling, you're still going to have a Pac-12 playoff. You're still going to have a Big Ten championship. That makes no sense. Why are they, you know, what What does the alliance mean? I mean, can they help schedule a little bit? They can do that anyhow. Um, I, to me, it's got to be some kind of super conference Um from there. Now, in the 12-team playoff thing, the SEC getting bigger changes that. Um, I mean, I think they're going to, you know, the idea was we'll be conference champions. Uh, that's got, the conference landscape has changed since they first talked about that, and I think it'll continue to change. So um, I think they've got details to work out as part of the problem there. And if they don't, not, not going to do it next year, then probably taking more time and see where this is going to go. Um, you know, like I said, when you talked about the Alliance thing, we're still going to have champions. Then I don't understand I don't understand the help of the Alliance. So the one thing that the Alliance does is it protects from getting teams poached off of your conference. Uh, the Alliance basically says, not only do they, does it help scheduling, and I think there's some money involved there too, but it's saying that, Nobody from our conference is going to leave to go to another conference. And we're not going to try to get people from your conference to come to our conference. So it's basically saying that the ACC is not going to get bigger, at least not with Big Ten teams. Um, the Big Ten is not going to steal ACC teams and so on and so forth. Um, the Pac-12 kind of figured out what they're going to do, adding teams in. The You're right, though. The SEC getting bigger does uh, definitely change things because – you're looking already at teams like Alabama, Georgia, Florida, who are pretty much going to qualify and be in that area every year. Then you've got LSU that occasionally is up there. You've got A&M that's up there as well, um, and maybe other teams get better. Then you can throw in Texas and Oklahoma. Oklahoma is one of those teams already, So, uh, and you assume that Texas is going to get better as well. So it does muddle the waters a little bit. The big thing with the way it was set up originally when they were talking about this 12-team playoff was that the top three teams, I think, or top four seeds, the ones that get the bye, would have to be conference championships, which then muddles, muddies the water for Notre Dame. They're going to have to join a conference in order to get a bye and all that kind of stuff. But the Notre Dame AD has been involved in these conversations, so they are including him in these conversations that they're trying to get everything figured out exactly how it's going to work out and uh and where it's going to have you can read that information we got our information from espn.com heather dinich uh on the coverage there but uh nonetheless it's something to keep an eye on and see kind of what they work out what changes um what improvements they make along the way with that as well all right dad let's close out the episode today talking a little baseball as things continue to get interesting in major league baseball's playoff push we saw tampa bay and uh, Toronto getting a interesting little argument uh, this week after a, a hitter got a got hit by a pitch on his last at bat in the series. But um, Tampa Bay is clinched. They've got the American League East. Chicago is clinched. The White Sox have the Central. Houston is yet to clinch, but they're pretty close to it. They're seven and a half games up 
on Seattle. The big question really in the American League is the wild card situation. Currently, it's Boston and New York in in those spots. Toronto is a half a game back. Seattle, two. And Oakland, four games back on that. We've kind of already talked about this probably enough. Um, but uh, I want to see Toronto in. Uh, and whether it's Boston or New York, I don't care. I think New York's probably better. At least they have more talent on the roster. I want to see Toronto in currently. They're on the outside looking in. This looks like it's going to come all the way down to the very end, right? Yes, I, I think it will. I think next Thursday we'll be having the same discussion. I don't think you'll be settled um, on who's going to be the American League wild card. And that's good for baseball. Uh, I agree with you. It'd be great to have Toronto in there. I don't care as much about the other two. Um, but um, I'd be shocked if this is settled by the time we have our show next Thursday. Uh, what might be settled is the National League. Um, the St. Louis Cardinals are on a 12-game win streak. They just swept the Brewers in a series. I don't think they're going to catch the Brewers in the division as they're still seven and a half games back. But when it comes to the wild card chase, they are five games up on Cincinnati, five games up on Philadelphia, six games up on San Diego as they have just completely fallen apart uh, here. So let's talk wild card first, and we'll come back to the National League West in a second. 12 games in a row for St. Louis kind of says, hey, I think we're getting hot at the right time. <laughs> um, St. Louis back in the playoffs, that's not super surprising, is it? No, and I think I think St. Louis is in good shape with a five game lead with a week and a half. Um, I mean, they don't have us sewed up yet, but if they keep playing well at all, again, I haven't looked at their schedule, but they should be in they should be in good shape. I don't think there's as much question about who the National League wild card is going to be. Um, and St. Louis, you know, is interesting because I, I'm I grew up not being a Cardinal fan, but uh, they have a lot of tradition. And I was thinking, boy, if someone's going to surprise in a one-game playoff, um, mm. you know, um, whoever plays them will have to be on it. But, again, the National League, whoever whoever does win the wild card's got a tough road to hoe in one game against the two best teams in baseball. would be one of the two best teams. Right. The Cardinals have seven games against the Cubs and three games against the Brewers left on their schedule. So they go a four-game series against the at Chicago, three-game series at home against Milwaukee, and they close out the season at home three games against the Cubs. So that's a pretty easy schedule. When you look yeah. at it, the Cubs, seven games against the Cubs, you should be able to tie things up there in the NL wild card, uh, at the very least if you're St. Louis. Cincinnati's out. We're not even going to talk about them. They're pathetic. Uh, San Diego, what a disappointment they've been this year. Um, have been really, really bad. One of these teams, San Diego or Philadelphia, is going to have to make a massive run here at the end of the season to have any chance. I think your playoff teams are pretty well set in the National League. I think St. Louis uh, locks up that last spot there, and then from there you're just looking at the uh, division winners and, of course, whatever's left over from the NL West. Um, Atlanta's got to fight off uh, Philadelphia, uh, who's two and a half games back. And then Milwaukee, like I said, they're pretty well set in the central. San Francisco and the Dodgers, San Francisco just keeps on winning, don't they? Yes. Yeah, that was a, a big turnaround last night um, with San Francisco winning and L.A. losing. Um, and it's interesting, we, you know, we talked on Tuesday, and like you said, the Dodgers should have been in good shape with Colorado, and they weren't. They went to 10 innings once, and they lost fairly convincingly last night. So, I mean, you know, Dodgers aren't folding up, but um, it's kind of been that way for the last month. It had to be very frustrating for the Dodgers. Whenever they win, the Giants win. Um, and then, you know, when they lose for the Giants, the Giants have lost too. So they've stayed real close together. But, um, you know, Giants are playing well. I think their schedule is going to favor them a little bit. Um, San Diego's a team that could have gave them trouble. But San Diego's got dissension. San Diego, you know, is disappointed. They're not where they thought they would be or people thought they would be. And I think I think that's affecting them. We're getting close on time. So quickly, um, if San Francisco somehow doesn't win the West and they end up being the wild card, do you think that they can recover to win in the playoffs? Or do you think that would kind of be a big blow and set them back? 
Uh, no, I don't think it'll set them back because it's been close all year. It's not like they're eight games ahead and all of a sudden they've, you know, the Dodgers caught up with them. It hadn't been that way. So I, I think they'll be fine either way. Atlanta and Philadelphia are fighting for the NL East. Atlanta leads right now. Atlanta plays. Uh, they've got three games against the Padres, three games against the Phillies, and then they close it out against the Mets in a series against the Mets. Uh, so those are big games that they're going to have to win uh, there. And then if you look at Philadelphia's schedule to finish out this season, they got Pittsburgh, uh, who they are currently playing tonight. And they have three more games against them. Then they've got the Atlanta series, and then they close it out against Miami. So Philadelphia has the better schedule and an opportunity to catch Atlanta, especially playing against Atlanta in a series right before the season ends. Uh, so that's something we'll keep an eye on, and we'll talk about more maybe uh, next week. We'll bring on someone to talk some either Braves or Phillies baseball with us uh, as well. All right. Uh, that's everything that we got for tonight. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, we sure hope that you will share uh, rate, review, all those kinds of things for us, wherever you're listening, uh, whatever podcast platform you listen to, you go to the Sports Stove Podcast, subscribe, and tell everybody else that you can about it as well. We'll be live next Tuesday, 8 p.m. We'll be talking about the NFL week that happened uh, and uh, college football news, baseball news, any other big news that's going on in the world of sports, at least the sports that we care about. And uh, we'll be talking about those things. Wednesday's episode uh, of the Sports Stove Local Hour is out and available from yesterday. Make sure you go listen to that, covering EKU and Kentucky sports as well. Visit our sponsor, Law Terrain. Uh, thank you to them for being a part of this show at law-terrain.com. Use the code SPORTSTOVE. Get 10% off your purchase if you need a new watch or some accessories. They're all available there for you as well. All right, a big weekend of sports is ahead. Baseball is coming down to it. should be exciting. Thank you so much for tuning in to tonight's edition of the Sports Stove Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.